How you doing? My name is Luke Such. I'm Scott Meinema. And this is the Headwaters Church Podcast. Today we are joined by Tom Clothier and Andy Opliger. Did I get it right? It's actually O Opliger. Nobody nope. gets it right. No it's in. Okay. I, I'm, I, I share the uh, last name pain. I've, I've lived that my whole life. I was corrected by one of your family members last week when I was in an <laughs> ABF. Said, yeah. no, there's no in. No, uh, not Oplinger. Yeah. Uh, I don't, even, Opliger. I don't correct people anymore. Why would you? It doesn't worried. feel like it needs to. Anyhow, uh, we uh, at Headwaters Church have uh, two elder candidates currently, Andy and Tom, who are with us, and we wanted to take an opportunity to uh, be able to chat with them a little bit more, create as many open roads to hearing from them, their heart, uh, some theological questions, anything else that may come up in this conversation, and uh, we'll see where we go. Yeah. we're uh, We've been looking forward to this for a week. Now, <laughs> and uh, so welcome. And thank you. And, and as a guest on on the podcast, this is just traditionally oh, yeah. started. Pleasantries. We, we have a oh. gift for each of you to oh, to remember your thank your, you. Your time these here. are limited these edition. I believe right now there's very a, limited. How many how many of these exist in the wild? Well, in the wild, there's this will be number four, number th- three and four, three and four. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there you go. You got a Headwaters Church wow. podcast mug. Yeah. Wow. Special. Own wow. it. Own that proudly. <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Be careful. The, the fans will flock to you and they see you holding that. You never know what's going to happen. So right. maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe a good place to get started is for each of you just to tell us a little bit about your personal background and your family and uh, maybe how you came to Headwaters. Andy, you want to start? Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up here in Fort Wayne, have lived here uh, basically my whole life outside of three years uh, in California. Uh, in the early 2000s. Um, I'm married to Randy. Uh, we've been married, actually, it'll be 23 years here in a couple weeks, August 5th. Wow. Uh, we have three boys. Uh, Wes is 18, getting ready to go to uh, Masters University out in California here in a couple mm, weeks. Wonderful. Uh, Brooks is uh, 15, going to be a sophomore, and Byron is 12, going into uh, the dreaded seventh. So you've been grade. married 23 years, that gray in your beard, that's not, you're not faking it. You're, uh, it's not from age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not faking it. Um, we came to Headwaters in 2018, so we've been here uh, <clears throat> a little over five years. And from the time we walked in the doors, just uh, absolutely loved uh, mm-hmm. the people, mm-hmm. uh, loved the, the leadership and the elders, and just, you know, we could tell right away that um, they took seriously their shepherding role, um, and they were going to stand firm. On the truth of the gospel, and yeah. so um, we jumped right into. I don't know how much you want to go into this. We jumped right into children's ministries at that time, and then we, we just kind of been plugged in there, and we haven't left yet. That's great. You Tom? guys, you guys preach or you you teach in uh, fourth and fifth grade. Fourth and fifth grade every Sunday for every, how long? How many years? Yeah, since we've been married. Since much. you've been married, now, you've been we've teaching. Done, we've done some different things. So we, early on, we jumped into high school, got out of that fairly quickly, <laughs> went into children's ministry, and we kind of fell into fourth and fifth grade. And so, yeah, pretty much over 20 years we've done that, that age group. That's we awesome. Just, we love it. Good for you. Yeah. All right, Tom. Hey, Tom. That's where the gray hey. hair comes from. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> well, I uh, grew up in metropolitan Detroit and uh, was raised in a Lutheran church. Um, was confirmed and all of that, but was unconverted was not a Christian at all. Uh, during high school, uh, was witnessed to by a lot of my coworkers at a Burger King restaurant by my first job. And uh, some faithful individuals from the local church that was near the restaurant, which who had been hired by the boss, our manager. And they were just very uh, gracious and uh, loving and uh, faithful in sharing the gospel left there when I graduated from high school and uh, got into a grocery store to pay my way through college, and I met a young lady named Diana, who I would later marry some three years later, and she likewise shared the gospel and lived it out and invited me to her church, which was Calvary Baptist Church in Southgate, Michigan, where I began to hear the gospel faithfully, and I would attend from April of that year, when I, Easter Sunday, which was the first Sunday I attended until October of 1974. And the seeds of the gospel were being sold into my heart. And I remember it was a Sunday night in October of 74. 
uh, my pastor, who had become a dear mentor in my life, was preaching, and I cannot tell you what his text was, what the message was about, other than the fact that that evening, in the midst of that message, he said, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? And I was just rocked down to the core of my being. I knew exactly what the answer was, and it was not that I was going to heaven. I came home later that evening in my bedroom, uh, in my, my parents' home, literally knelt beside my bed and received Christ, trusted Christ, prayed for Christ to come into my soul and save me. I repented of my sins and received him as my Lord and Savior. Diana, that was October 74, Diana and I later began dating, got engaged, was married, were married in April of 1976, and I was going to be a journalist. I was going to be a writer. And in fact, I worked for a newspaper, a weekly, for a period of time, and that did not work out. And in January of 1977, Diana and I were looking at what now, Lord? And he began to give within us a still, small desire, a voice that just simply said, I want you to go into full-time ministry. And that was somewhat frightening because I didn't know what he would do through me. I had no idea what gifts or abilities he might choose to use other than what I recognized at that point was the gift of helps, but beyond that had no real cognizant awareness. And um, so anyway, he called us into ministry and went to Bible college and uh, began serving the Lord in a variety of capacities and churches and so forth. So. So what brought you to Headwaters? How long have you been here? Tell us a little bit about your family. Okay. I've uh, been married to Diana since 1976. We just celebrated our 47th wedding anniversary this past April. We have two adult children. Uh, Timothy, our son, is a pastor in Pennsylvania. He and his wife, Carrie, have six kids. Uh, our daughter, Elizabeth, and her husband, Dylan, live here in the Fort Wayne area, and they do attend Headwaters. Uh, we came to Headwaters at uh, this time, uh, July of uh, 2017. I had been pastoring in Kendallville for some 21 years, and that ministry ended. And uh, we were a little battered, a little bruised, and um, I remember Sunday morning, Diana asked me after a period of weeks where we had been out of town and on vacation and so forth, and she asked me, where are you going to go to church? And I said, well, we're not going to go anywhere in Kendallville because we're too known. I don't want to be a distraction. I just simply want to worship. We're going to go somewhere in Fort Wayne, preferably somewhere it's big, so we can just go in and be lost in the crowd and just worship and be un, just be unnoticed. I said, I don't know why, but we're going to go to Wallen Road Baptist Church. I don't know anybody there, and that's probably one of the reasons why I feel we should go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we walked in the door for the 1045 service, and our anonymity uh, lasted for about five minutes because Luke, your dad, saw us, and he came, made a beeline right to us, and uh, that became, began a friendship. And I remember him saying, after we shared a little bit of our, our story, he says, you just worship here, just heal, uh, recover, and be fed, and be loved. And we've been, and much like Andy just said, I remember that my favorite book is Romans, John was preaching out of Romans. Expositional preaching is my passion. He was preaching expositionally. Loved the music. And we came out of that auditorium, out of the parking lot, and I said, Die, we're home. Mm. And this is where we're going to be. We've been here ever since. And uh, the Lord has given us opportunities to serve in a variety of ways here. Mm. Great. Um, so we have a, a list of questions from our church family that we... Mm -hmm. uh, through this process, so uh, just a, a very, very quick rehash, uh, the conversation between you guys and our elder board has been going on for six to nine months or so. I, I was doing this in ABS. I couldn't remember the exact... Somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, that conversation happens behind closed doors uh, with mm -hmm. all kinds of confidentiality going on for before you're presented to our church congregation. And if through those conversations uh, with spouses and theology and... Uh, preferences on church governance and things of that nature. Everybody says, yes, this is a good fit. And, and we mm -hmm. think that God has, you're meeting the biblical qualifications. Then we present elder candidates to our congregation. We ask our congregation to ask questions as well. So we have a list of questions from our congregation and uh, they're not easy. Um, well, at, at a couple levels, one, uh, there's a lot of them. And I, I, 
Steve Dusso is, is in charge. We're recording this on a Thursday. Steve says he's going to get through all of these questions on a Sunday morning. I'll believe that when I see it, but I'm preaching this Sunday, so I have no idea. Um, you may only have 20 minutes to preach. You may want to scale your... No, no, no. It's the opposite way. I They're they're going at the same time, which means I have as long as I oh. want. So if I have if I oh. preach for an hour, that You're gives good. these guys more time to oh, keep going. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I well, we'll see if you get to double digit questions. I don't, I don't, I have my doubts. But um, anything you want to touch on in these, because it's going to be so brief on Sunday morning. Tom, you'd mentioned something about this question on Christians and politics, and yes. good luck answering anything in under two minutes. Uh, but that's a loaded question. So, can you share with us some thoughts on how, how to view that through a biblical worldview? What, how do we do that? Well, the question was, where do Christians fit in modern politics? And I keep going back to several portions of Scripture that just give us a perspective. First Peter 2, 13 through 17, mm-hmm. be subject to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, but not using your freedom as a cover of for evil but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. And uh, this was within the context of a very antagonistic Roman government. Yep. And uh, it's interesting that Peter is writing this because Peter would be a martyr of this very government that he Mm. is now saying, you honor the emperor of that government. Paul goes on to say in Romans 13, 1 through 5, very much the same thing of being subjective or subject or submissive to the governing authorities. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3 says, We are to pray, intercede with thanksgiving for all kinds of people. That includes kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, I think is for me. The crux of the issue, and that is, I'm concerned that we have seen within our country, United States of America, a perspective uh, by Christians that somehow sense that gives the impression that we can uh, establish a, uto- a Christian utopia through mm-hmm. political means and, method- mm-hmm. and methods. And I see that nowhere in Scripture. We are called to share the gospel, and 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 the responsibility of us as Christians collectively and individually is to share the gospel as God's instruments, to sow the seeds, to water the seeds that are sown. God brings the harvest, and souls are changed. That does not happen politically. That happens theologically, soteriologically, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It happens from the inside out, not from the outside in. Exactly. And uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned a year ago. But there is no way in any way that abortion has ended because the heart and soul of man. Yeah. And But 2 Corinthians 5, I think, puts it in perspective of our responsibility. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now that phrase, ambassadors for Christ, is very significant in the context of this question, because an ambassador, politically, is one who represents a nation, a country, while at the same time living in a foreign nation and country. He's representing his home country, his home nation. He is endeavoring to represent its leader, its emperor, its king, its president, whoever their leader may be, its policies. In the same manner, we as ambassadors for Christ are representing another kingdom. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of God. The epistles speak of the fact that we are aliens and strangers here and that our message is a countercultural message. It goes beyond politics. It's a theological message. It is to change the heart of man. And so we have to understand that as ambassadors, this is not home. This is not our kingdom. We belong to a benevolent monarchy 
not a representative republic. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords is who we serve. And so we share the gospel, and we endeavor to be good citizens as we live in this country, but never lose sight of the fact that we have a greater citizenship, an eternal citizenship that is in heaven. So that's good. So just a practical follow-up. So what is that? What are the implications to that for the person who wants to be involved in politics, who mm-hmm. feels like, you know, yeah. as, a, as a Christian, I have a worldview. I think I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my mission field. Yes. Um, by this, are we suggesting that we would say stay out of politics? A Christian has no business in politics? Is that an implication of what you're... I would disagree with that yeah. because that would happened 100 years ago. When the fundamentalist movement began to develop as a reaction to the higher criticism and liberalism of the Enlightenment of the 18th and 19th century, and the fundamentalists decided, we're going to retreat. We'll establish our own colleges, our own seminaries, our churches, and we will retreat from the greater culture. And it was to the detriment of the culture, because God calls us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, to be salt and light. We are to be salt and light. That is, we are to be salt in the midst of a, a rotting society, and we are to be light in the midst of a dark society. And so I have friends who are involved in government service, first responders, police officers, even a mayor. Mm-hmm. And their, their perspective, their vision is to be salt and light in the midst of the civil body politic that God has called them and equipped them to be and to serve. And whether it be administratively, whether it be on the front lines of law enforcement, um, and to be a representative, an ambassador for Christ in the midst of those individuals they work with and the citizens they work for. Yeah, that's good. So if I try to summarize, um, be engaged, but don't put your hope in the fact that you're going to change society through the ballot box or even through the legislature. You're going to change society through the proclamation of the gospel. Absolutely. There is no other way— Laws can't change the hearts of men. No, they can't. It is God who implants his law in the heart of man, and yes. then it works its way outward, not out in, in out. There you go. All right. Great. Love it. <laughs> see, Luke, you see how Luke just took that? And he, that was he, a two-minute answer. <laughs> Luke did it in about 20 seconds. He's, he just has a gift that way. I do enjoy watching, <laughs> listening to Scott and then going, all right, so is this what you're saying? And then just see if we can, uh, I can't reduce it down. We all have our all, gifts. Although, <laughs> yeah. I, don't be confused. I, I uh, fall prey to very lengthy answers quite frequently. Um, Andy, how are you doing over there? I'm good. Oh, great. Um, when you think about eldering broadly, this, I, I mean, it's, when I think biblically, there's it's like three things that come to mind, right? There's, it's two out of Acts 6-4, prayer and the ministry of the word, and then one out of First Peter, shepherding the flock. Mm-hmm. Of those three aspects, which do you feel like are in your wheelhouse? Which do you feel like are going to be stretching for you? Well, I think they're all going to be stretching for me. <laughs> I mean, this whole, uh, you know, this process has been uh, stretching for me, mm-hmm. and uh, which is great. You know, I've loved it, and... I look forward to more of that. I think uh, looking forward to what the Lord, you know, has in store for me personally, and then obviously um, even more for this this church body. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think as far as shepherding and nurturing, uh, it's a lot of prayer, right? And you know, I I want to pray a lot for this uh, this body, this church family, um, and you know, I want the gospel to be lifted high. And, you know, in Ephesians 4, it talks about uh, living a life worthy of a calling that you've received to be, you know, can be completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love um, and make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the Mm -hmm. bond of peace. So this whole peacemaker idea and, you know, shepherding the flock and um, I don't know. We don't don't have any problems in this flock. I don't, I, maybe you were uninformed by that. This one's good to know. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Sorry. Never mind. That's perfect. Um, uh, Other than the ones between Scott and I, which we literally broadcast to anybody who will listen. We're the only two sheep. That's (laughs) why we're here. Oh, this uh, this is an intervention. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Turn the tables on you. Uh. Um, So, yeah, I just, uh, 
I look forward to that, and I don't know how good I'm going to be at that, but I'm trusting the Lord mm. and that um, and the Holy Spirit to guide me. How much overlap there. do you think there is between your vocational world and yeah. the shepherding world of of being an elder? Yeah, I think there is overlap. I think um, so. I've been part of a small business, running a small business for. Uh, close to 20 years now. Right. And a lot of that is relationships and people and uh, how do you manage conflict and, you know, conflict resolution and, and things like that. So I think I've learned um, some good lessons through that. Sure. Um, as I've, again, been doing that for a long time. So I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of mm-hmm. similarities in that. In there. Great. What are some things, Andy, that you would say, maybe two or three that have just really shaped you up to this point in your in your walk with Christ is there is there some events uh, perhaps um, some valleys that the Lord has taken you through um, yeah I think um, when I look back you know again going through this process has been great because you, you start thinking of a lot of things that maybe you don't think about you know all the time maybe I should but when I look mm-hmm. back I see, all the people that the Lord has brought into my life uh, at every stage, you know, from young child to all the way until now. And I'm just blown away by the godly examples that have been a part of my life. So, um, you know, my testimony was in the newsletter. So maybe I don't know how many people read the newsletter, hopefully a lot of people, but um, you know, my, my, I was uh, blessed enough to grow up in a loving home, you know, Christ following parents, but the teachers that I had, you know, they, uh, just spoke God's word into me all the time. So when I think about that, you know, elementary school and just to have uh, faithful God, you know, Christ followers at Blackhawk Christian is where I went. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was very instrumental in my life. Um, And then kind of a turning point was my senior year in high school, kind of got more involved with youth group and the leadership team. And I think God really drew me in there. Um, And then that was really important for me before I went off to college. Um, I went to a, you know, I grew up in this private school, you know, pretty sheltered life, went off to college, um, to a public school and saw things, heard things that I've never even dreamed of before. Um, and I think that senior year of high school was really big, you know, God drew me in. It's my first time I had to stand up for what I believed in, um, and have some consequences, you know, where my new friends, my new teammates were like, you're not normal. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it was a test of my faith. And by God's grace, I came out of that in good shape. Um, but again, then it just, and then as we got married, uh, early marriage, we had um, some really godly uh, married couple, older married couples. Mm. And I say older, but now they're like younger they're, than you are. They're right my now. age. <laughs> okay. They seem so old. But, but that was very instrumental in Randy and I's marriage, our lives, you know, our walk with Christ. Um, to have those older couples come alongside us for several years. And we're still really good friends with, you know, the majority of them. And uh, I think that's important, you know, for young married, young men, young women to have that older influence. Uh, And that was, that was big for us. Mm -hmm. Who's up? What what else we want to talk about here? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, Kind of a lot. How, we have we have multiple lists of questions to work through. So we probably have too many lists. That's of really what it is. Questions to uh, work off of. Talk talk to us a little bit, Tom. Just from the standpoint of uh, theology, how do you how do you approach the scriptures? I mean, one of the requirements oh, of the yeah. of an elder is the you know the ability to teach the word. Mm-hmm. And so, from the standpoint of just how do you approach how do you approach the scriptures? The only hold on, real just real quick, because I said this in the ABS. The and the biblical list, the only uh, capability that's aside, everything else is character. Yes, right. So when you look at the list in First Timothy and in and Titus, Titus. And it's all about character, 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 character. There's just one ability: the ability Teaching. to teach the word. Yeah, and that distinguishes the elder position from the deacon position, right? Because both are pretty much the same list of character qualities, with the and, exception that the elders are capable to teach. And mm-hmm. and to that point, I, it's always worth it, at least for me, to think through these things. Um, that list of characteristics is something that all believers should aspire to. Absolutely. Like they are, it, it is a list of godly behavior. Yes. Then I say, 
Don't look at that as something, oh, that's that's what they do over there. This is something that is incumbent upon everyone who is in Christ mm-hmm. to live a, a life worthy of the gospel, as Ephesians 4.1. So anyhow, sorry. Anyway, to answer your yes. question, um, this is interesting because one of my classes that I teach at Grace College is Scripture and Interpretation, and one of the classes I have taught here in the Steps class has been how to study the Bible, how to study and preach and teach the Bible. I advocate what is referred to as a literal, historical, grammatical, and contextual methodology. I'm going to break that down because that sounds a little heady right here. Literal, which means literature. The Bible contains a vast amount of genres or different styles of literature. Law, history, poetry, wisdom, gospels, epistles, apocalyptic. There's a lot of symbols. There's metaphors. There's similes. There's figures of speech. Um, There is poetry and such. So you have to understand, first of all, the literature that you're in. And understand that there are going to be figures of speech, and there's going to be exaggeration. And so when you look at Psalm 23, and the image is, the Lord is my shepherd, don't get the idea that Jesus is going to be in a shepherd's smock in all of this. It's an imagery that was very understood by the recipients of that psalm, who were Jewish, and many of whom were shepherds. Second of all, historical. You have to understand the historical context of what's going on in any particular portion of Scripture. Jeremiah, for example, when the text is quoted, I know the plans that I have for you. That's within the context of God judging the nation of Judah and going to be placing them in 70 years of captivity in the Babylonian Empire. That would include Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So that's not your life verse? Exactly <laughs> not. No. And, and But we take that out of its context. Let me go even further. I'm John 3.16. I'm going to have to chisel that off, that piece of granite that I had engraved in there. John 3.16, <laughs> which we all know and love. But one of the characteristics of the fact that there are 15 verses that precede that 16th verse. And Mm. so we need to understand the historical context and what's going on in the conversation that Jesus is having with a man named Nicodemus. Uh, Grammatically, we need to understand that the, the Word of God is containing words, and words make up sentences, and sentences make up paragraphs, and paragraph makes up chapters and multiple chapters of books and multiple books and two testaments. So you're working through all of this, and you take the painstaking effort to understand the nouns, the verbs, and all of these words. There are five questions that I instruct my students, not only here at the church when I've had the class, but also at the college, Five questions. First of all, number one, what did the text mean to the original audience? Not does what the text mean to me. No, what did the text mean, period, question mark, okay? Uh, There is a meaning there. We need to to discover what that meaning is within the context of the life of Moses, life of Joseph, etc., Second, what are the differences or similarities between the original audience and us? Maybe not so much in the New Testament context, though there still are culturally, technologically, and so forth, but certainly when you go back 4,000 years into the Old Testament context. Thirdly, what theological principle or principles are found within a particular given text that you're studying? You are extracting it from the text. You're not making it up as you go along. Fourthly, how are those theological principles found in other portions of Scripture? If it's not found in other portions of Scripture, then you need to maybe take a a pause and consider maybe it's not found in the Scripture that you're looking at, Hmm. because Scripture interprets Scripture. And then finally, and this is where I think a lot of people want to immediately jump into, how is the biblical text to be applied in my life? That's where I think a lot of us immediately go, such as the Jeremiah passage or such, okay? But no, we've got to do our homework first. We've got to look at what this text says, who was being being addressed, who was being talked to or spoken to, and so forth. What are the differences between that biblical audience and us? What are the theological principles? Are they found in other portions of Scripture? And then how can I apply that text in my life? Yeah, yeah, that's good. 
Andy, anything you want to add? I think I need to take his class. <laughs> <laughs> love to have you. I'm an easy prof. No, I'm actually quite hard, but I'd love to have you. Yeah. Do you sign a lot of reading? I do. Yeah, I would guess. Fair enough. When people say in one of the questions, how do you waste time if you have an hour to waste, what do you do? And uh, one of the things I just love to do is read. And uh, that's one of my passions. So speaking of reading, Andy, what are some of your favorite books? What do you like to read? Well, it's funny Tom would say that because I'm not a big reader. But, uh, I mean, outside of the Bible, my favorite book um, is The Exemplary Husband by Stuart Scott. And it's something that that, uh, I've gone through several times. I go through it with... um, I've gone through it with some of my friends, you know, and people that I've discipled, and it's just, it's been a really instrumental book in my life. There's a flip side to that book called The Excellent Wife. Um, I wouldn't recommend going home and just saying, hey, you should read this, but, um, but I do really, uh, those two books have really been a big, uh, made a big impact on Rainy and I's mm-hmm. marriage, and it's, they're very biblically-based uh, books, and, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of them or read them mm-hmm. or not, but I think... Mm-hmm. Um, I would actually love to pursue that here at some point with our younger married couple. Yeah, so. good idea. Yeah, those are both great books. Um, we use those quite a bit in the uh, in the counseling ministry. You know, from time to time, especially on the on the marriage side. And uh, you know, they've been out there, goodness, twenty five years probably now. It's been a while, yeah. And uh, they they just continue to be solid. They're just so yeah. practical. They are right. Yeah, they're theologically solid, but. Yep. Boy, they're they're practical as yep. well. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think I've read it, and I'm still needing to read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've read it several times. Yeah. So, Andy, when um, when you think about just the scriptures and doctrine, are there when you look at your command of the scriptures, are there areas uh, doctrinally that um, when you have more discretionary time? You want to do more study of, more research on some things that you like. Maybe, yeah. I just, I wish I had a uh, more of a handle on that. Uh, we've we've talked yeah. we've talked. Luke and I offline have talked. Like for example, eschatology. You know, and mm-hmm. coming at it from different perspectives. And and you know, if I had more discretionary time, I'd probably, I'd like to drill down more on on. On some of them, I'm not although, sure that I would. Although I, I've I, spent way too much time on leave it, it undrilled. Sorry. I mean, yeah. I mean, that that's a long list for me. I mean, all of everything, right? Mm-hmm. I, I want a better understanding of, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm always looking and and praying and hoping to mature in my faith and understand who God is more. Um, you know, and I think some of the the core doctrines, you know, the deity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, like. You know, obviously, I firmly believe that and embrace that, but it blows my mind at the same time. Like, how do you know? How do you understand that? Um, so it's just stuff like that. But I, yeah, there's all of them, everything. I'm trying to be. You know, I want to learn more and know who he is. You know, mm-hmm. uh, every day, trying to get more knowledge, more wisdom. When you guys think about eldering, shepherding. Um, you think about you in terms of, I, I mean, Tom, you're, you're mentioning, uh, you, you pastored a church before and Andy, you're thinking about your role in a small business. I, I don't know who it was that said that basically, uh, every job is training for your next one, right? Right. So in, in some ways, everything that you've been working through, whether it's marriage, parenting, vocation is, uh, preparing you for whatever you do next in, in a variety of different ways. So, when you, when you think about shepherding and your role as an elder within our church, what types of things do you feel like this is a strength, or or maybe at, at a personal level, but also maybe a, a ministry or an aspect of how you want to serve in that role and or in that capacity at Headwaters, and and maybe it's just continuing the things that I'm doing, um, which would be great, or maybe there are other things specifically that you might want to mention, but. It, it, what has shaped you at a personal level that you think comes and is uh, applicable to this role of eldering and in what way? Is that question making sense? I don't, I'm not sure if that's pointed enough. Um, I'll give it a shot. Give it a shot. 
You can tell me if I'm wrong. Um, so I had mentioned, you know, how when we were newly married, we had older couples mm-hmm. and in our lives that, you know, uh, were directing us towards God all the time uh, to live for Christ. And so I, as of late, um, the last couple of years, that's really been a desire of mine to play a larger role. You know, you mentioned the gray in my beard. I'm, I'm older now, right? <laughs> uh, so uh, so I, I want to play a larger role in young married lives and particularly the men you know um and because i just think it's it's so hard right now with the way culture is going you know we didn't grow up with the stuff that they're growing up with sure with social media and phones and stuff that's just attacking these men all day every day and women um so i have a, a strong uh longing or desire to mm-hmm. help young men walk through life and you know, and as being newly married, that's always a, a difficult, you sure. know, it can be a difficult, you, you got your ups and downs. And yep. um, so I just, yeah, I I would love to be a more part of that. I appreciate the uh, humility because uh, in your answer, it sounded like that's something you would like to do in the future. Um, well, not tipping your hand, but I know full well that that is something that you currently do. And I know of, yeah. of multiple instances and people as well as uh, bigger and broader things. So uh, I, I appreciate the humility and the answer, uh, but uh, I'm grateful for that ministry already. Yeah. Being present. Praise the Lord. Yes. Three things come to my mind with respect to the responsibility of elder. Number one, that is to feed the flock, to teach them the word of God, especially in our culture today. One of the questions that uh, has been posed for this coming Lord's Day, this coming Sunday that we're asked is, what do I I think is one of the most challenging things that are facing the church right now? And I think it's facing not only the church, but also culture at large, but certainly is impacting the church, and that is the rejection of objective truth, objective Mm -hmm. propositional truth for a a postmodern perspective of truth is determined subjectively by my feelings. We are tasked with the responsibility of teaching the Word of God and preaching the Word of God, heralding the Word of God. We are to be obedience-driven and not audience-driven. There are going to be times, as Luke, you can you can identify with, and your dad can certainly identify with, being in the pulpit consistently, there are going to be times when people are not going to like what you preach, mm-hmm. but they're going to need to hear what you preach. And that is oftentimes when I was pastoring and preaching, I would have a gentleman would come to me, Pastor, I did not like what you preached this morning, but I needed what you preached this morning. And that just was the, that was the vision. That was the goal. Of being what a great obedient. attitude. Yes, it was. He was a dear, dear man. He's gone home to be with the Lord. Especially as Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. One of the things that I have a passion about is not only to preach and teach the Word of God, but to train people to study the Word of God on their own in order to be able to teach and herald the truth in their sphere of ministry. You're a good Protestant, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Martin Luther is one of my heroes, man. And it's like you feed... But you're not Lutheran. I'm not Lutheran. No. We just want want to put that rumor to rest. Okay, fine. We please do. The old (laughs) adage is you feed a man a fish, you fed him for a day. But if you teach a man how to fish... You have fed him for a lifetime. And teaching people how to study the Word of God, as we've just remarked earlier in our conversation, so that, and, and again, that was one of the things that Luther wanted to emphasize to the, to the Protestants in that 16th century Reformation, that they could go to the Word of God in their own language and understand it through the Holy Spirit. Second of all, not only to feed, 
but also to lead, to guide. We as elders are called under shepherds, 1 Peter chapter 5. We are to lead the flock. We are to lead God's flock, and we are to lead them wisely, biblically. Um, I certainly saw that uh, in the last six years that Diana and I have been here as members of Headwaters Church when we transitioned from Wallen Road to Well Street. And since the Lord's leading and guiding through the elder leadership of this church, not everybody was on board. I remember those congregational meetings that we had on Wallen Road. There was a lot of some objections, a lot of fear, apprehension. But by and large, the vast majority of the congregation trusted the elders' leadership in leading us providentially through God's sovereign direction to this location. And I I sense we all affirm God has blessed and affirmed that transition uh, to where we are now ministering on Well Street. And then thirdly, it's to protect the flock, not only from without, but also from within. Paul, one one of my favorite portions in the book of Acts is Paul's final words to the Ephesian elders as he's traveling to Jerusalem, and he's aware he's not going to see these guys again this side of heaven. He's saying his last farewells to them, and he says in Acts 20, 28 and following, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will come arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. He says you have to be on your guard to protect the flock that has been entrusted to your stewardship. That's a very solemn responsibility that needs to be taken seriously. And I have observed in these past six years as a member of Headwaters Church, the seriousness, and Andy referred to that earlier, the seriousness of which the men on this elder board currently, and if God should will Andy and I to join them, the seriousness by which they shepherd this flock. It's not just a position for an ego boost uh, or something to put on a resume. It's a solemn responsibility. If you guys had one Bible passage to teach, where you get uh, asked oh. to go go teach somewhere, and you hey, dealer's choice, Anything whatever you want, whatever you yeah. want, yeah. What what's your go to? Oh my, so many. John six. John six. The context is the the feeding of the five thousand, which upwards could be twenty thousand plus. And uh, Jesus then begins his discourse, the bread of life discourse in the is, gospel. Is this the, the affirmation by Peter? Is that where you're going towards? No, or are you, okay, you're sticking no. with the eat my well, flesh. Eventually, Peter would yeah, be John affirming 6, John 6, 68. But, but going on further, a little bit before that, where Jesus is, is teaching here to these people who are, um, who are listening to him, And he says, I am the bread of life, beginning in verse 35. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, Hmm. and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And then a little bit later on in the text he says in verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. And he says a little bit later on in the text, he says, I have told you, it is the Spirit, verse 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and of life. He says, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my Father. At this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They didn't like what they heard there, the sovereignty of God and salvation. And then that's when Peter says, when Jesus says, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, look to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. That is a text that uh, 
I just love to teach and preach and just plumb the depths of. If I had a choice, that would be one of them, right? John 6. John Andy? 6. Philippians 2. And oh. We just kind of went through that, obviously, not too long ago. But yeah, uh, really, uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 8 is uh, kind of my, my, is my favorite passage. And just the, you know, I, I desire to be a humble servant of God. I desire to be more like Christ. Mm. And what better example than what Philippians 2, 5. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah, you know, that, that passage, that passage is so applicable, right, in so many different settings. Right. And, I mean, the key to unity, what's the key to unity in a marriage? What's the key to unity in a corporation? What, consider others more important than yourself. Yeah. That, that, we've used the word humility a number of times. That is humility. Yeah. Think about others more as more important yeah, than my, yourself. My favorite part of that in verse five, it talks about you know the different uh, translations have different words, but uh, I think it's the NASB says have the same attitude as that of Christ. Mm-hmm. And when I was younger, I had a my dad would talk to me about my attitude all the time. You have a bad attitude, poor attitude. I'm like, well, I don't know what that means. Like, but I want to have an attitude like that of Christ or a mm-hmm. mindset like that of Christ. Mm-hmm. If I can, if I don't know if that's you know attainable, but that's what I'm going after. And if so many things fall into place if you can have an attitude or a mindset like that of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the key there, right, is you mentioned mindset. I mean, that that is one of the key words in the book of Philippians is mind, mind, mind. The battle, the battle's for the mind. Mm-hmm. And where the mind goes is where is where the attitude's going to go. So my fight, right, for my attitude is really a fight for my mind. And so, the, you know, the Christ, having the mind of Christ, Christ is what what normal looks like for a believer. And so, yeah, what a, what a, what a great encouragement. Uh, kind of back to our bigger picture questions. Um, you guys are in different life stages, so this answer might be different for both of you, but when you think about the time balance of shepherding a congregation, of being parents, of working, of being husbands, of loving your neighbors, loving your family, how does this fit in? Is it a great struggle? Is it a, oh man, I've been looking for something to do. We've been doing this since 1977. <laughs> it has okay. been our life. Through kids and grandkids, we're empty nesters right now. My son, who's a pastor in Pennsylvania, is now going through what we went through and uh, the challenges of now having six kids because they've just brought two foster children into their home. And so... Um, I'm tired just hearing that sentence. Yeah, they just uh, are finding all the new challenges with two more kids and and all of this. But uh, the Lord has brought us to a stage in my life that I don't have to work full-time. And at Grace, I have a part-time position of teaching at the college and teaching in the seminary. I can work remotely at home. So I have a lot more freedom. I have two days where I'm really to be in the office, but I can work remotely. And it, if if that was not the case, if I was still working at my previous job, uh, one of the major components of being an elder is the elder meetings on Thursday mornings. Yeah. And I would not have been able to have made those. That right. would have disqualified my uh, nomination. But God in his providence, my Thursdays are pretty well free for me to do what I need to do as I need to do it. Diana is very much on bored and loves the, you know, enthusiast, enthusiastic and excited for me um, because she's consistently affirmed God's gifts in my life and um, has from the very outset and has also sensed God's call in the ministry as I have. So she's right there with me. So for us, it's kind of like the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. It's Now, having said that, uh, I realize that I have to uh, be very discerning as to when to say no to some other things that are good, but are not necessarily the best. And uh, so I have to, that is a discerning the decision that I'm going to have to be making as far as responsibilities at the seminary and the college, further responsibilities here at the, at the church. So I'll be praying for wisdom on that behalf. So. Tom's been doing this since before I was born. I was just saying. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> but I don't look like it, do no, I? No, you don't. You oh, don't. thank you. Thank you. Oh, I feel so much better now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, this is definitely something that 
we prayed about and considered, you know, going through this process. It's not something that we take lightly, this, uh, you know, the role of an elder. And, you know, my number one ministry is my wife and my kids, you know, my family, and that won't change. Um, and similar to Tom, I mean, we, we've been serving in the local church, you know, our entire adulthood, so over 20 years. So this is, um, you know, somewhat of an extension to that. And if the Lord allows me to, and us, Randy, uh, allows us to serve him in this capacity, then, yeah. you know, as your dad would say, giddy up, we're all in. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it's, you know, balancing time and priorities is always a challenge. Yeah. And, you know, with young kids, I mean, they were going in all different directions, and but we want this to be a priority. We want uh, serving our Lord and Savior to be our, our priority. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, I've thought about this a lot with my wife. Uh, there's always a tension. I mean, I have young kids as well. But if I'm raising my children right, then I'm showing them that my priority is my yeah. faith, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, so there is an element of like me serving the church is raising my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, yeah. just in and of itself. The fact that we value, I mean, we, I, I joked with my wife, but you know, we live about 30 minutes out. We go to both services on a Sunday morning. By the time we get home, everybody is gassed. I mean, yeah. I've, I've got a one and a half year old. He never makes it home for a nap. He falls asleep for that terrible, like 10 minutes on the drive. And then he's a bear the rest of the day. And then to my wife's great credit, this is, this wasn't supposed to be a podcast about my wife, but since we're here, um, to my wife's great credit, I come back into church to teach 20 somethings every Sunday night. And she has to put all the kids to bed after just a train wreck of a day. And, and we look at each other like, why are we doing this? And, and every time we go, because it's worth it. Like that, that yeah. is very important to us as a family to say serving in the church is not something that we are going to give up. We're, we'll be here. Obviously, this is you know part of my job, but even if it wasn't, we'll, we will be there two services. We will we will take the hit to our schedule and our nap times and our desires to make sure that it's clear to our children. And what better way to lead by example to, yes. for your children to see you do that? And when God calls you into full-time ministry, and when God calls you into service ministry as a layman to serve as an elder or as myself serving in a parachurch ministry at Grace and and now the opportunity uh, to serve as an elder, if it's as the Lord's will, um, there is he equips you, he gives you that desire, and there's nothing else that you would rather do. There is this passion and this fervency to want to be obedient to him. And then that sustains you when things don't go well, (laughs) when you do find yourself facing some struggles, whether they can be anticipated or whether they come right out of the blue. Once again, I thought I made this clear. That's not, we don't have any of those struggles. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, okay, let me just clear okay. that up for you. All right. Yes. Uh, well, at least I know one who has never faced that. <laughs> right, um, never mind, I take it. I can go to my grave in peace here, but, um, <laughs> but that's one of the things the Lord has taught us and has sustained us. Hmm. And one of the things that sustained us, when, as I said, when we came to Headwaters in 2017, uh, the ministry we had had for 21 years ended, and it was not a good ending. Uh, mm. the, the church was going in a completely different direction, and I was not part of their plans. I, I didn't wear skinny jeans and did not feel comfortable in T-shirts on Sunday morning. And and uh, they said, well, we want somebody younger and doesn't have gray or white hair or whatever. Okay, fine. And uh Wow. I'm but glad go- I didn't wear my skinny jeans today. Oh, thank you. We're, we're all glad you. you didn't wear your <laughs> yes. skinny jeans today. It's been a long time since I've worn skinny <laughs> jeans. And um, but so God, many comments in so little time. I know, <laughs> but God sustained us through that hmm. and and shared with us. In fact, that was one of the things that impressed upon me. Um, and I wrote a book on it, and it's the fact that God uses difficulties in our lives to make us better leaders than what we would have been without those struggles. Hmm. And so as an elder, I can pray that God can use me in a manner that I can help people who are going through struggles that are reminiscent of the struggles that we have encountered as a family and as a couple and as a pastor. And so Second Corinthians 1. 
absolutely the God of all comfort, Scott, who comforts us in all of our struggles so that we can comfort those with the same comfort that we receive ourselves. Absolutely. Hmm. Diana, as you well know, uh, battled cancer a year ago, and thankfully is cancer-free, and we're doing great. A new ministry that has really just kind of developed uh, in this church is... We God has allowed us to minister to people, couples who are going through cancer, and it's just it's not like we planned it. It's just like people are reaching out to us, as they reached out to us when we were going through it. Now we're reaching out to them, and it's just been developing because they know we know what they're going through. Hmm. Great. Uh, Want to make sure we don't run you into overtime, Andy. You've got time constraints, so uh, don't want to go too long. Anything else you guys are wanting to talk about? Concerns? Uh, excitement? What, what else may be on your mind related to this? Anything's on the table or, or not? There's, there's no requirement. No, I'll, I'll just mention, you know, one thing that, you know, Scott, you'd asked me stuff that, you know, something that had shaped my faith or my walk mm-hmm. with Christ, and um, we've kind of you know, kind of talked about this stuff a little bit, but, um, you know, what, again, what we love about Headwaters is how we stand on the authoritative word of God. Amen. And, you know, we went through, I was part, we went through a process where we were in a situation where that was starting to slip a little bit and, um, at, at a the church, pre- at, at a previous at a church. Previous church yeah. And we stepped in the middle of that and took it to the elders and went through that whole process. And it was several, you know, months and years even. Um, and from that point, it really made me, it, it, it allowed me to re- realize how important that is mm-hmm. to have to, for our church to keep a high view of scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, you know, a big turning point for me. And then, you know, just my last thing I would, I would say is just, I would ask for prayer, uh, you know, for Tom and I both I yes. mean, in our church, obviously, but, um, as we go through this, and uh, it's not something that that Randy and I are taking lightly at mm-hmm. all. And um, yeah, we need prayers for wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Yeah. And, you know, and one a long of the list of things. One of the questions that I think is posed by one of the congregation members was uh, the characters in First Timothy three and Titus one. Which ones do you have to really, you know, work on? Mm. And my response in that question was all of them, quite frankly, because all of them are, <laughs> right. are you just can't let your guard down. You know, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, if any man thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. And to be able to work on those character qualities and not let my guard down. And as Proverbs four twenty three says, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it springs the issues of life. Guard what you see, guard what you hear, guard where you go, guard what you do wherever it is you're going. Constantly uh, watching out because one of my prayers has been as now as I am the age that I am, and I use the analogy of I'm the, what's in my rear view mirror is more than what's in my front windshield. I realize that most of my life is in the past and the age that I am right now, in late 60s, I realize that uh, the Lord might very well be taking me home, you know, soon, sooner. I, w- I want to finish well. Mm. I want to finish well. I want to finish well for God's glory. I want to finish well uh, and not shame in any way my wife, my family, my grandkids, and so forth. But to be able to, when they think of me, and, and to leave a legacy that I have lived and if God should, should so ordain the opportunity to serve as an elder here, mm-hmm. in my humanness, in my human wisdom, I said, boy, that would be frosting on the cake, Lord. But I don't know what else he might have from store for me and Diana in these next 20 years or so. I don't know, but excited about the possibility of right now. Well, it's been a delight to have the both of you. We're, Thank you. we're delighted and praising God for, your, for the candidacy Look forward to Sunday and uh, hearing from you on s- Sunday and, and hearing from Luke on... First Samuel. First Samuel. First Samuel this week, yep. Good. Yeah, uh, a book about leadership in many ways. It maps on to eldering quite well and and what to do and what, and what not, not to, to do. do. Yeah, you get a little bit of, of all of that. 
All right. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. We're hitting an hour, and uh, we're, we're grateful for the the blessing that God's given to our church with yeah. godly men to lead it. We pray that you two help carry that torch for a long, long time. Thank you. Amen. Thanks for being here.